The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Source of Truth podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Grateful for the opportunity uh, to be able to speak into your life and it be encouragement, hopefully, from God's Word. And we're glad you're with us on this Thursday. If you're joining us, we're in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to finish up the book of Matthew here in just a moment, or this today, and then we'll jump back into chapter 14 as we continue through the life of Christ. So if you're following along, we're in Matthew chapter uh, 13, beginning in verse number 47. Uh, the Bible says in verse 40, said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessel, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the new kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. So we're going to start with these. We just start looking at this. This is a, another illustration that very much matches what was said yesterday in the aspect of the idea of the wheat and tares and all these other aspects where when you come to the end, um, really truth is going to be seen. You're going to come to the end and say, Well, this looks good. He looked like a good man, looked like a good woman, whatever. But in reality you're going to find that it wasn't the case. They might have been a good person, but they may not have been saved. And so he's really talking about those truly saved in this situation. And that's one of the primary things he's trying to teach her. So what he says is they throw out this net into the sea. Now, when they would go fishing, again, using an illustration and a parable that was very much fitting to the norm. This was uh, this is what they understood. They understood fishing. It was another major economic portion of their community. And uh, so they didn't go fishing. Well, similar today. They didn't take a rod and go one fish at a time. They would drop a net and they'd run it across and uh, picking up what they're looking for. When they were done, they dumped down the fish. Now, if they're looking for a certain kind of fish, all of the things they found that were good, they would take over there and they would keep. All the other stuff would be thrown away. In this case, he'd reference the idea they were burnt. Um, and he's referencing the same idea at the end time, at the end, the angels are going to separate. They're going to look at those who were saved, who follow Jesus and all of that. And they're going to be, you know, escorted into the kingdom. Then you've got those who didn't, those who didn't believe, those who didn't follow, uh, the unrighteous, simply unsaved, whatever reason, whether they came to church, whether they never came to church, whatever, they just never got saved. Uh, in that case, uh, he says, uh, they'll be cast into the furnace of fire They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And he's describing hell. He's describing the lake of fire. He's describing eternal punishment at this point. And that's something, again, I like to just, two simple thoughts when we talk about this. One, the simple principle is there is a heaven, there is a hell, and we do keep, keep an eye on that. There is a heaven, there is a hell. There is a reality that you're going, your, your eternal soul will go somewhere. It'll either go to heaven or it'll go to hell. There is no in between. There is no purgatory. There is no, I'll get a chance afterwards. Once you die, the Bible says it's appointed a man wants to die after this judgment. Once your life ends, you will either be in heaven or in hell. Those are your two options. There are no in-betweens. There's no way out. That's it. What you decide to do on this earth prior to your death is the answer. And that's what I encourage you to consider. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. And I encourage you to consider all that means. Number two is Christians. Boy, would that compel us? 
you know, I think sometimes because we knew, especially if you're like me and you grew up in church, sometimes it doesn't carry the weight. I don't know why you think growing up in church would do that, but in some scenarios it doesn't. In some scenarios it doesn't carry the weight. I would encourage us to be more passionate about those around us who don't know what this means. We do, and if we're saved, we're already okay here, but we don't always know what it means. The, the, other, the world doesn't. May we be sensitive to reaching those who don't. He continues down, and a unique thought in verse 52 Every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and things old. He's simply saying, we're not throwing out the Old Testament there. If you're a scribe, if you're a teacher, if you're a you know, father, teacher, anything, and you're instructing people, well, it's clear at this point that you need to uh, not just throw out the old. We're not ditching the Old Testament. There's teachings of both. We're going in the New Testament, the New Age, the Church Age. Things are going to be different. The old laws passed. All of that is true. Uh, but you look at this and you look at the fact that the New Testament, you know, that as you move forward, you have to be a good steward of everything that was given to us in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know that a large portion of the Old Testament promises and such were given to the Jewish people, not to us as a church. Those promises are still to be fulfilled in the future. Uh, we look to, you know, not those specific covenants to Israel. Uh, I do not believe the church is a replacement of Israel. And so we look to our unique time in history, this break time of the church age, age of grace, a lot of different words for it. And as we get to the end times, you'll find Israel receiving those. Uh, but we still go back to that Old Testament and we pull from it and we learn from it. Let's look at the last section we see down here in verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he had departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished at and said, where, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, and they then all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So the first thing you're going to look, obviously, is the people begin to recognize him. They say, this is, this is Jesus. This is the carpenter's son. Remember, he grew up around them. As far as they're concerned, he was just one of them. He wasn't a great rabbi, wasn't a great teacher. He hadn't gone through all of the education that was necessary to be a scribe or a Pharisee. Uh, he was just a carpenter. And they didn't make sense to him. In fact, they were a bit offended. They're like, you know what? He sounds great, but I don't want to hear this. He's just a carpenter. Uh, they did not want to believe that he was the Messiah. I, I would assume, you know, they knew his, they, they noticed his mother, they knew his brothers, and that does tell you a lot that he did, we mentioned earlier, he did have brothers. Uh, we noticed this, and you look at it, and the one thing to take into account is, you see, they would have known something different. They would have known that Jesus was unique, but just not enough to believe that he was the Messiah. The scary part to me is what Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own house, and he said that they weren't going to believe him. They saw him growing up. They just could not believe this is who he claimed to be, and so here's what happened. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus did not do the works. He wanted to do mighty works. He wanted to do a lot of great things, but he did not do them simply because of the unbelief of the people. Can I encourage you that what that says to us as a church today? Uh, it's, it's a powerful thought when you think about the what God will do and will not do solely based on this idea of what we believe. That's a scary thought when you think about it. Do we believe that God can do it? Do we believe that God can do miracles in our home? Do we believe God can do miracles in our lives, the lives of our family? Do we believe that God can do miraculous works in our city, in our state, in our country, across the globe? By the way, yes, he can. Uh, but his works 
are going to be based upon our belief. The point is our actions. They deny Jesus. They rebuke. They, they ignore Jesus. They, in fact, rejected him or offended at him. Because how dare this carpenter say these things to us? Uh, I tell you what, may we look beyond the preacher. May we look beyond the facade of the building. And may we look to Jesus. May we see through the person to the message. That's what should be compelling us. That should be driving us. That should be the thing that makes us who we are. And that's what drives the church forward is the message of the gospel. May I challenge you, don't, don't think little of what God's going to do about your battery problem. He's all-powerful. And don't limit your belief on, on your own fears. There's an there's a, there's unlimited amount that God can do. There's an amazing thing God wants to do in our, in our time, in our season, in our generation. And may we have enough faith to step out and see what God will do with what he has given to us. Thanks again for joining us on this Thursday morning. Appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Hope you have a great rest of your day. The weekend's coming soon, so I hope you're making a plan to be here on Sunday if you can, if you have your own local church, to be there and uh, be engaged and be involved in worship our Savior together. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.